Welcome to It's All Journalism. This is a special end-of-the-year podcast. I'm Michael O'Connell, and joined with our other producers, Nicole Agrisco. Hello, Nicole. Hey, Mike. And Amber Healy. Hello, Amber. Hey, Mike. And, and, and Amelia Brust. Hi, Amelia. Hi, Mike. Hi. Cool. Okay, yeah, so we're all... We're all te- it's an interesting setup that we, we've got here, but it, we just want to see how this works. Anyway, what we are want to do at the end of each year is kind of to look back at how the podcast went, what we saw as some of our best episodes, sort of pick out which ones we liked the best, and then you know maybe look a little towards the future about what types of podcasts we want to do next year. I should just point out that if you go to our website, itsalljournalism.com, there is a survey there. You can vote for what you think was our best episode of the year, and uh, we'll announce that in the coming new year. But So to, to sort of get the ball rolling, I'll go ahead and, and talk about my favorite episode, and then I'll uh, hand it off, and we'll go from there. I'm going to fudge things a little bit, <laughs> because on the one hand, my, my favorite episode should be number 312, and that's kind of vain, because that's um, me talking about my trip to Tajikistan. I pick it at this point, tentatively, because that was a, a huge experience in my life, uh, the opportunity to go overseas to teach young people how to do to do podcasts. But I, I don't think it's necessarily because of my Catholic upbringing and, and general guilt about things. I shouldn't pick something of my own. I should pick something else. And the one that I picked for what I think was the best podcast or, the, or, or my most favorite podcast of the year is actually David Dunkley Geeman. He's a video producer. He was um, actually... I think it was the University of British Columbia when I spoke to him. And it was a Sunday morning podcast. And it was one of those podcasts where I had prepared, but I was not quite prepared for David, who was a really deep thinker. He had a lot of opinions about things. Our conversation kind of wandered all over the place. And then when I was done with it, I was just my head was buzzing afterwards. He had all these views about you know, video and live video and, and telling these really kind of complex stories with video. And uh, if you get a chance, go ahead and listen to that. That was episode 296. You build up a, a style guide of how you might approach because you want the audience to understand how this film should work and what they should take from it, as opposed to every single piece of video or film you make should have a stand up or it should be done with a 15 second intro followed by 10 second clip followed by 15 second voice uh, over again followed by another 15 second clip so you get the standard way of saying it which you could also argue well it's news so that has that's, that's the way it's got to be done there's a the correct way of being done is the standard but that actually no because news itself is a construct so that was my favorite of the year how about you amber what was your favorite of the year i am going to go completely selfish here and my pick for my favorite of the year is number 331, which is an interview with Charlie Specht. He is a broadcast news reporter here in Buffalo, and he's really been leading the charge in the city, covering our priest sex abuse scandal and crisis. In my newsroom, which is not where Charlie works, we've been talking about him. He's doing tremendous work. He is uncovering these documents. He's had whistleblowers within the diocese coming forward and saying, you know, I couldn't work for the church anymore because of all these people coming forward, all these priests who've been allowed to continue in their ministry, even though there have been accusations and allegations of sex assault made against them. And 
he's doing tremendous work. And he was very, I think, straightforward saying that, you know, he had left journalism for a while, but it was the movie Spotlight that got him thinking about coming back. Little did he know that he'd be coming back to a similar situation. And I think he's just doing tremendous work. And I loved hearing him talk about that. I mean, it's very hard for them to even decide that they're going to open up. And most of them have never dealt with the media before. And so you just sort of, my, my attitude was, let's try to build some sort of trust with them. I would, first of all, I would apologize, even though I didn't do anything wrong. I, I still felt awful about what happened to them. I would apologize and say, I'm very sorry that, that you've gone through this and thank them for, for coming forward. And, you know, in many cases, it was sort of an on again, off again thing. They would want to come forward, then they would think, no, I shouldn't, and then they think, they get angry and say, yeah, I want to come forward, and then they get scared, and, and whatever their decision was, I I basically accepted it, and I said, you know, I don't want you to do anything that you don't want to do. This is your story. This is not my story. That ended up paying off because we, we really did develop uh, trust with these victims, and they felt like when they were ready to come forward, that they, they went to us and they went to our media outlet. And when they started seeing some of the deception that was going on at the hands of the leaders in the church, then they really got angry. And I said, I'm coming forward because the truth needs to get out. I'm not too surprised that you were going to pick something, a Buffalo story. If you haven't noticed this about our podcast, we have a lot of people from, proportionally speaking, we have a lot of people from Buffalo on our podcast. <laughs> but that was a great conversation. You know, Charlie's doing like amazing work and there's so much information that he's been able to bring out about this very complex story that impacts the diocese of buffalo how about you nicole do you have a favorite episode of the year yeah my favorite episode is 313 with samara freemark i think we all maybe evidently picked episodes that we were a part of which is makes a lot of sense i think but we, you and I, Mike, interviewed Samara, who was with the American Public Media's In the Dark podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts, I think, of the year. And the conversation was fascinating. I mean, it. I think it taught us a lot about audio storytelling. They talked about walking around Winona, Mississippi, carrying microphones, and they were known as the microphone girls. They really embedded themselves within the community. They went to church in the community. They spent a whole year living there to report this story. And then just the aspect of data journalism itself, you know, they walked the audience through these details of looking for jury strike data, for example, or searching through an abandoned warehouse to find prison records. And the way they told all of these stories was incredibly fascinating. And I think... Samara mentioned that that really detailed walkthrough of how they found some of this information in their minds contributed to some of maybe the intrigue, if you want to use that word, of listening to the podcast. And as an avid uh, listener of In the Dark, I would totally agree. This season, there's this this question of like, what is your elected prosecutor doing? Like, what is he doing on with juries? What is he doing with like the racial composition of juries in your area? What is he doing with his ability to choose what cases to bring or not to bring? Like, how is he using his discretion? And those are questions that everyone has a district attorney or a county attorney, like an elected prosecutor who has tremendous power. And so I think everyone should be asking these questions of, of their local officials. If you haven't listened to it, it's a great podcast. Our interview with Samara was 
was fun and you know she said shed quite a lot on the fact you know and how they do the story but what's neat about it is i mean we do a lot of podcasts about podcasts as a matter of fact a lot of episodes we talk to podcasters but you know what's nice about what samara does and everybody else at in the dark is that their podcast is they're using real journalism they had a best of podcast last month and one of the things they talked about was somebody you know they were taking questions from their audience and they talked in great detail about the fact that we do certain things because we're journalists and we wouldn't necessarily, you know, deceive people as to go undercover and deceive people to try to get information, try to get answers. They report the news. And if there's no story there, then they report that there's no story there. So they they don't make up stuff. They're not trying to fabricate stuff, so, so sort of false drama around their podcast. There's plenty of drama in the story they're covering. Can I also just give a shout out to our second most downloaded podcast Episode 291 with Nigel Poor. Yeah, so we interviewed Nigel Poor of Ear Hustle. And I don't know if you're going to talk about this later, Mike, but Erlon Woods, who's the co-host of that podcast, had his sentence commuted by um, the California governor. And so he is now out, and he is now working for Radiotopia as a full-time employee on that podcast. And I just thought that was incredibly cool. Yeah, no, it's great to see, you know, people doing these things and the, certainly in the podcasting space that actually, you know, have impact and, and change people's lives. The case that they're talking about in, in the dark is uh, part of it is going to be reviewed by the U.S. Supreme Court. And there may be that may lead to a new case. It may need, lead to the uh, person the podcast is about getting free from jail. So that's pretty cool, I think. So, Amelia, how about you? Do you have a favorite podcast for 2018? Yeah, and um, unlike you, Mike, I've shed most of my Catholic guilt at this point, so (laughs) I am going to pick one that I was also involved in putting together. Sorry, not sorry, but my favorite is number 324, um, when we interviewed Bro Crift and Brian Lyman from the Montgomery Advertiser about their story series that came out around the history of lynching and the newspaper's lack of coverage on lynching and the civil rights movement in the Jim Crow era. I was just a huge fan of the stories that their team put together, and it was just purely selfish reasoning as to why I suggested them. I just wanted to talk with them about how they did that project, and it was amazing, and I admired the the paper's ability to so publicly correct their own mistakes in the past and also very clearly lay out how they were going to correct that going forward. And I think it was a great model for news organizations when it comes to trying to both diversify their coverage and also rebuild a lost trust with their readers and their communities. I loved hearing how they did all the research for the story series because they they had to sort of go back and and look at death certificates and you know find whatever records they could about the victims of lynching in uh, Montgomery, Alabama and they kind of described how this story series really gave a lot of those victims and their descendants closure or as much closure as could possibly be gained from from such a project. And they also described how they were going to start changing how they wrote about crime, especially, and crime victims at the paper. And it was so beautifully timed with the opening of the 
memorial museum on uh, lynching in Montgomery, Alabama in at the time. And it was just a it, I thought it was a really moving example of how journalism and history are connected and how journalism tends to drive history and tends to drive the recording of history. So that is probably my favorite. But I will say my I think a runner up for me was number 292 when you interviewed some college students at DuPont and and asked them, you know, how they consume news and what sort of news they may share with others and how they how they filter which news they read and it's a pretty basic topic but it is really important that news organizations understand how the next generation of readers are going to be wanting their information delivered. Are you happy with, with, with having this kind of freedom that you sort of pretty much, you can program your news feed pretty much? It used to be, you know, you, you go on and watch uh, the evening news at 6 p.m. And that was when you got the news. It used to be you would pick up the morning paper in the morning off your, your porch, and that was your news. Do you like the ability of control that you have, or would you like a little more variety in it? I think it's nice to have some control to kind of be able to tailor what news you receive because obviously in kind of your own personal interests can dictate what you dedicate more time to reading and learning about. And while you can still have that variety of news that you receive, having it more be having it have a more personalized kind of outlet for you, I think allows me to keep up with it more often instead of push things aside that I might not necessarily be interested in. That was a pretty amazing experience, and that had a, a huge personal impact on me. On when I got to Tajikistan, a lot of the lessons I learned in how to record that particular podcast at, at DePaul University, I employed those when I was in Tajikistan. And when I was teaching teaching this year at American University in podcasting, a lot of the same tricks, a lot of the same approaches to you know interviewing people on topics, certainly interviewing people in crowds in the, at a live event these are things like I sort of sort of talked about, but don't feel guilty about you know being selfish that picking somebody that you want to talk to you know ninety percent of the people that we we get for our guests i mean a lot of them are these things that come up that are kind of interesting news, but a lot of them are that sounds like a really interesting person i'd like to have a conversation with them, and I think that's where many of our our podcasts come from, maybe not ninety percent but a lot of them do. I've got plenty on this list, and we're going to talk about them on our top downloaded ones. I mean, Nigel Poor, for example, that Nicole mentioned, you know, I, I met her a few years back, and, you know, when, I, when we saw that Ear Hustle, rightfully so, was doing so well, we, we reached out to her and, and had another conversation. It was great to catch up with her and to see how her podcast has changed over time. So we've each given our favorites. But I pulled the numbers for our top five most downloaded podcasts for, for 2018, and I'll add a little caveat in here. There were some from 2017 that were still showing up in the top ten. I kind of weeded those out. I wanted to really kind of think of, you know, focus on the new ones that we did in the last year, the ones that were that garnered the most downloads. So the, um, the fifth most downloaded, it was our live recording of episode 300 at Busboys and Poets, in Washington, D.C., Nicole and I went there. I was on a panel to talk about podcasting. I'm really surprised that it got this this high up. But what, what do you remember about that evening, Nicole? Yeah, I was also surprised to see that that <laughs> did so well, but that's great. It probably had to do with it was a really interesting array of panelists. 
you know, from NPR to us. It's all journalism. Uh, <laughs> that's that's really kind of the spectrum. It's it's NPR at one end and us at the other. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, but I think at the end of the day, everybody had kind of the same message about podcasting and techniques that worked well for them, or even just a mindset that they went into their podcasts with particularly, you know, a passion for it, right? It's not going to go well unless you have an interest of turning out an episode perhaps every week. So our number four most downloaded episode was episode number 293, our conversation with Megan Murphy, who does uh, community engagement with the Online News Association. You know, I was surprised that this was up there, but maybe I wasn't quite surprised. I think community engagement is one of those things that everybody's sort of talking about. How, How can we, you know, better engage our audiences it was a fun conversation. I think probably it helped that it was the Online News Association that they'd helped push it out. So the number three most downloaded episode was episode number 296, our interview with uh, David Dunkley-Gima, the cinematic journalist. Again, you know, it's an incredible conversation. It, it just gets so far to f- far afield when we talk about so many different things. And and sometimes, you know, when you do these sort of interviews and these conversations, it's sort of one thing leads to another. We were just... We were just all over the place, and it, and it was a, it, you know, my head was spinning when when it was going on, and when it was over, I, I kind of you know was, was sort of in a daze. David is a fascinating uh, interview subject, and you know, highly recommend listening to that. Uh, the number two most downloaded was our, our conversation with Nigel Poor. Uh, does that surprise you at all, Nicole? No, not at all. I, that podcast, I think, does really well, and. Just based on their anecdotal comments that they'll make during episodes about how many postcards they receive or just messages in general they receive from their audience, it sounds as if they have a really engaged audience. So I'm not surprised to see that our audience took something out of that as well. Yeah, that is cool. And on the one hand, in booking Nigel again, you know, maybe there was a little idea that, hey, there's this highly successful podcast out there. Maybe we should reach out and see if they we can get some of their audience to listen to us. We rarely get that calculated, but Nigel had been so friendly when, when I spoke to her before. And she was, every time I, I've reached out to her, she's been super enthusiastic. And, you know, I think that, you know, we had some of the people who were big fans of her podcast, saw her name and, and saw the mention of Ear Hustle. And probably that's one of the reasons why uh, they came and uh, made it our number two most downloaded episode. And our most downloaded episode, I'm not quite surprised about this because it's really kind of a great interview and it was almost my pick for the top podcast of the year, or my favorite podcast of the year. Episode number 290, my interview with uh, Charlotte Dubach, a video producer at Vice News. This goes back to what I was just saying to Amelia. You know, I stumbled upon Charlotte's videos on YouTube and I was kind of blown away with the way that she interviewed people and some of her videos. I mean, she did, did a lot of food videos, but she also did fashion, but not straight fashion type videos. She went to, you know, what is the what is the uh, fashion week in Bombay like? What is the alternative fashion week in in New York like? So she had a very different take and a really kind of a charming way of interviewing people. And so I... I reached out to her, and she was super enthusiastic, really helpful. But what was also great about that particular interview, she talked about the experience of going to North Korea and covering the news there and doing a report from uh, North Korea. And she talked about that experience, how, how, how very strange it was, how uncomfortable she felt. 
And it's really kind of a, a fascinating conversation. And like I said, she's a she's a great producer, a video producer, and I love I love watching her stuff online. Anybody else have any thoughts about these top five they want to talk about before we wrap up here? I would like to say that I did have uh, number 324, the Montgomery Advertiser. I had that on my list as well. Just it was such an incredible thing that they did, leading with putting the apology on their editorial page. You know, we we own the mistakes of our past. We can't go back in time to fix them, but we screwed up. We did bad things. We take responsibility. We're going to do better. I just I wanted to to piggyback on that and say that that was one of my favorites as well. Yeah. It was one of mine, too, as, as well. Coincidentally, I, I just saw something, and I want to say it was from the New Orleans Picky, Times-Picayune, did something similar. They they talked about their what they failed to do during Jim Crow. You know, it was a, a very conscious effort to, we're bringing our newsroom into today, we're, we're admitting who, what our history is, we, we recognize that it's wrong, and that moving forward we want to be something very different. That and what the people did at the uh, Montgomery Alley Advertiser, I think that's a really admirable thing to do, especially in the world we are in today where everything's kind of changing. So before we wrap up, let me ask you this. What topics do you want to focus on in the new year? I'm going to ask Amelia first because she's our newest producer. I think you had said that so far you've gotten maybe some comments on the website about how listeners want want to see more diversity represented in the in the topics and the interviews of our podcast and I will second that going into 2019 I will be keeping an eye out for just more and more journalists and news outlets that are either run by or cater to audiences that are non-traditional news audiences or I guess I'll just say it, non-white and non-English speaking and non-middle class, non-college educated news audiences, those all exist and they need to be served. And there's plenty of outlets out there that are doing that and reporters that are reaching those audiences. And um, I'm mostly going to be keeping an eye out for those sources next year. You'll be happy to know and you know about this interview, but we're going to be starting the year out on January 3rd, posting an episode, an interview with Greg Lee who's done quite a lot to try to diversify sports staffs across the country and, and train journalists of color to become sports reporters. So we've already recorded that interview, great conversation, and I think it's going to talk a lot about the issue of diversity in newsrooms, in the sport, certainly in the sports arena where, where people don't always think about it. But, you know, that's a widely read section of the paper. Why are there more different people represented in that space? So we got that to look forward to. How about you, Amber? See, I'm always going to go for music. You're going to go for music. Okay. Somehow. <laughs> there is um, there's a guy in Toronto who was part of a band for a number of years. He so believes in the importance of local journalism. He has started a, I want to say it's a monthly newspaper. And it's doing surprisingly well. It's called the West End Phoenix. And just last week, as part of their December issue, they put out something on like a flexi disc, which is going way back. It's a square record. Huh. I don't know. And it's blue and it looks really cool. I don't know. I, I think you know there's not one way to cover the news and I will try to find more people who are doing it in interesting ways. You're trying to bridge, you know, like in my newsroom, we are a broadcast entity, but we have a website and social media feeds. And how do you take a reporter story and repurpose it for a different audience? I might look for something in that vein too. Cool. How about you, Nicole? I will, I'll third the diversity comment. 
But I'm also interested in more interviews that look at maybe the student perspective, student journalists, what colleges and universities or other programs in general who might teach people who are interested in journalism, how they are, you know, updating their curriculums to handle this kind of crazy media world that we're in. I always enjoyed those interviews with the students, the episode that you did with at uh, DePaul University. So more of that, I think, is is interesting. And I'd even be interested in hearing more from those who teach about their perspective and what they think is kind of lacking out there in the world of journalism and higher education. My my own experience, I mean, you know, I sit here and I say I teach podcasting at American University. That sounds really kind of impressive, but I'm really kind of at the tip of journalism education here. And I hear so many different really fascinating conversations about, you know, broadcast, about digital journalism, about, about multimedia, you know, reader engagement, social media, all this, these curriculums that are sort of changing. And, you know, what is a, what do students need to uh, compete? What do, you know, J schools need to do to prepare them? And it's tough times. I mean, we've seen that with a lot of the people that we've interviewed, the educators we've interviewed today. And I think, we're going to definitely look out for more people like that. Something that we, we, we have rarely talked about, I don't even think we've ever done a podcast on it, but, uh, something I've been thinking quite a lot about, careers in journalism, getting a journalism job. I think we're long overdue to have some type of podcast about that. How do you change your career? How do you find a job? How do you prepare yourself for a job in journalism? I think that would probably be a very useful podcast to have. So I'll just leave it there. Let's, uh, let's say... Thanks for coming on and talking about that. Um, Happy New Year to each of you. And uh, let's continue on. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming episodes. Go to itsalljournalism.com and subscribe. It takes a lot of people to produce an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nuke Dupre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped out with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>